0: everyone, to another episode of Encounter with God Together, our weekly audio and video podcast, where we go through the readings in our Encounter with God daily Bible reading guide. And I'm really happy to have Johnny Radcliffe uh, back. It's been a while, Johnny. Hello. And uh, Johnny is a, a, a youth pastor, a speaker, and he's the national coordinator of resource development at the National Network for Youth Ministries. That's a lot of N's and Y's.
1: Oh, the alliteration is! <laughs> I I told our CEO like we need a hard consonant like a D or, a yeah. D or something, with an N Y M. So just an N Y M.
0: It's good; it <laughs> just rolls off the tongue there when you say oh, it. Oh yeah, so good. But but Johnny's uh, all things youth ministry, and uh, mm-hmm. I know your your influence is broadening, and you're doing some really cool things right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's been a good season. Uh right now where we're at currently, not sure when you're listening to this, but we're kind of gearing up for Easter. Uh been doing some some fun things in in the area as far as a community-wide youth group and uh just m- connecting with multiple churches. So, yeah, all things youth ministry.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. And you've been a blessing to Scripture Union as well. So, we're glad to have you on here uh to take Take us through the book of Job in a
1: yeah.
0: in a a, a a swirl from from uh, chapter t- thirty one to thirty six with uh, Elihu saying yeah. To- <laughs> I tell you what,
1: so people who are reading through, you've been hit with a lot of poetry. Uh, you've, I mean, from chapter four up until thirty seven, there's a lot of poetry. That's a lot of back and forth kind of like a courtroom setting. Uh, have you felt that vibe, Gail? Just yeah. with Job and his friends and state your case. Yeah. Rebuttal to right.
0: your case.
1: Right. At some points, Job is accusing God and then he's backtracking like, I'm sorry, I regret saying that. And, you know, and, and his friends are not being super friendly. Right. And uh, there's this there's this basic structure that everything goes through. It's the first argument that Uh, The friends present is this idea that number one, God is just. So, because of that, he runs the world through his justice. So, if there's any suffering, then it should be the person who is going against God's view of justice. And poor Job is just sitting there. He's like, life's bad enough. I don't need you coming down my street and saying that I'm doing things wrong to deserve this. So, I couldn't imagine being kicked wild down like Job is being in these passages that's got to be brutal
0: yeah and you know i think these people have lived with job too uh well enough to know him and you know his right. reputation kind of yeah pretty yeah hard.
1: they're like they they're trying to <laughs> it kind of takes me back into my days uh just i just had a wrong view of god in the beginning i just thought God was just on this like sin-finding mission. You know what I mean? Every time I was around a pastor, I was afraid they're going to look at me and be like, name your last five sins. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of, and yes, God cares about us not sinning, but I don't think it's as, in such a vindictive method as Job is being exposed to here. And uh, the interesting thing is, is that the passage we're in, we're in Job 31. Job starts to kind of stand on his own two feet and tell his friends, listen, I know where I'm at. So the the passage of Job 31, the whole chapter, he basically, to sum this whole thing up, he's like, listen, I'm keeping my eyes clean, right? He's saying, I'm keeping myself from lust. Uh, and he says, if I've deceived anyone, you know, I'm sorry, right? He says, if I've denied justice to anyone, I'm sorry. If I put too much trust in my wealth, I'm sorry. Like he's basically running through the list saying, I don't think I did any of these things, but there's still that exasperated tone where he's like, if I did, I just want to confess to get it over with and either be healed or die. Like that's where he's at. He's Mm -hmm. just wants an answer so badly, Mm. but he's looking over his life saying, I think I've done a pretty good job in these areas. And he doesn't have any answers. And the thing I like about Ver or uh, Chapter Thirty One is, it feels like he kind of puts those three in in their place. Uh, so it, it, he kind of changes his tune to say, "Listen, we're putting this to bed. I don't get it, but it ain't my fault." Mm. And then you have Elihu, which is the central figure speaking from thirty two to thirty seven. And there's so many fascinating little nuggets about this guy. Uh, The first thing is this. Right out of the gate, let me read this in Job 32. Um, Well, here, this is the summary. Verse 1 says, The three men stopped answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. They gave up. They're (laughs) like, we can't convince you you're sinning, so I guess we're done. Um, But then it says, Elihu, son of Barakel the Buzite, of the family of Ram became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. He was also angry with the free three friends because they had found no way to refute Job, yet had condemned him. Okay, so I think a lot of us can identify with Elihu, just kind of like, okay, he's coming in, he's saying, listen, you three friends, you're not bringing anything substantial to for your claim, so get off his back. We all felt that reading through these passages of Job, we're like, just we have the eternal perspective. Job didn't, know, right. right? Like we we know what Satan's up to, but his, <laughs> his friends come in and and Elihu's like, all right, you guys back off. You got nothing substantial. Cool, but then he's also mad at Job, and it's so funny because this Elihu character. Uh, in fact, hold on. Let, let me read the passage, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna specify why this is so. Brilliant, because I I can pinpoint someone like this in in all of our lives. Uh, Number three, verse three, it says uh, he was angry with the three friends. All right. Verse four. Now Elihu had waited before speaking to Job because they were older than he. But when he saw the three had nothing more to say, his anger was aroused. In verse six, he says, I'm young in years and you are old. That's why I was fearful, not daring to tell you what I know. So Elihu's younger than these other three, and he's being respectful, saying these elderly types should be wise enough to handle it. And then afterwards, he says, okay, you guys are done. Let me give you my young man's zeal, right? I just, I just picture a young leader. Like maybe you've, you've seen this where it's like a ton of zeal and like, I got the answers, man. And, um, you know, a lot of the, the older types will sit back and be cynical. Uh, but I really do. I love what Elihu has to say in here because he's putting everyone on trial. And so he comes to Joe and, uh, I'm jumping down to chapter 32, verse 17. He says this, I too will have my say. I, too, will tell you what I know. For I am full of words, and the spirit within me compels me. Inside, I'm like a bottled-up wine, like new wineskins, ready to burst. You hear that zeal (laughs) where he's like, I can't keep it in. He says, I must speak and find relief. I must open my lips and reply. I will show no partiality, nor will I flatter anyone. For if I were skilled in flattery, my maker would soon take me away. (laughs) I mean... And that guy's spitting bars. That is some, that's some real talk there. I, I just, the fact like the, I, I just love the imagery of like, I'm going to burst. And yeah. so good. It's so good. And I don't know, maybe you feel like you have someone in your life, Gail, that, uh, that kind of comes to mind that, but there's something so wonderful about that, that young leader zeal and Elihu really has that here. So um, I'm always curious why that is brought to attention in this passage why did the writer think it necessary to really highlight his age and his input because of his age now i don't want to go down the whole youth pastory trail of you know we got to train up young leaders but for sure we do i mean for crying out loud if if the rumblings across the nation we're feeling of revival right now, aren't telling us something (laughs) like from Asbury, the young, young leaders rising up and these, the ripples we're feeling on college campuses, like, Hey, I think we got a bunch of Elihu's there that are bursting, right. Just bursting at the seams. So I thought that was pretty fantastic. Mm. But then uh, Job 33, he starts to, he starts to, to unleash on Job a bit too. Um, I'll jump down to verse 12 because I thought this was just, this guy didn't hold back. He says this in verse 12, but I tell you in this, you are not right. For God is greater than any mortal. Why do you complain to him that he responds to no one's words? For God does speak now one way, now another, though no one perceives it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears. So he he goes on, and we're going to hear a lot of poetic structure of how God speaks. And I think there really could be a good word in this passage. If there's someone here, you're feeling like God's not active in your life. If you're feeling, you know, does God speak? Well, hey, we're talking you know, 4,000 years ago or so, he does. And this is the observation of Elihu. And it's also available to us now that God speaks in many different ways. And even a young leader like Elihu was able to notice this. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as we kind of, as you kind of go on through this passage, just know that uh, once uh, chapter 37 wraps up. So I know this reading plan goes up to 36. Uh, the next series is where the intensity really cranks up. Elihu finishes his monologue. And unfortunately, there's not much interaction. I would love to hear Job kind of fight back with him a little bit. <laughs> or, <laughs> or to say, like, hey, you, you pierced to the heart, man. You You got everything. We just don't have that. Um, because in chapter 38, God speaks and he puts Job on trial and that's where it gets awkward. That's where it gets so good. So, uh, looking forward for all the readers to be able to jump to that, but definitely don't look past this chunk here. Uh, I challenge anyone that's reading these chapters to really, uh, to really try and picture Elihu as he's saying these things as a young young leader, a young, insightful man uh, who feels like he has a lot to say and he has a lot of observations, but not the respect. I'm sure there are plenty of people out there, maybe even some who are listening to this right now that maybe you feel like an Elihu. Maybe you feel like your place in God's kingdom, you have all these old heads around just kind of like tamping <laughs> down your passion and your vision. I challenge you to be Elihu and and let God's truth flow out of you. Uh, It's hard to tell really if Elihu's wisdom is confirmed by scripture or confirmed by God, because he's not, he's not an authoritative deified voice in this. (laughs) He's just adding to the cauldron of confusion of why Job is suffering. Um, But I think there's a lot of wisdom in his words. And honestly, I think he has a better word to say than the three friends who are older and wiser. I think he is closer to God's purpose. But the bottom line of the book of Job, I'm going to spoil it for all the readers. God is mysterious. Suffering is mysterious and God works through it. He works through the stuff you're going through now. There may not be a direct purpose of this has been caused for a reason but there is definitely a reactive purpose where God can use everything in your life to make you look more and more like his son. So as you're going through the book of Job, just know that they start this crazy quest to basically tackle the idea of the problem of suffering, a topic which C.S. Lewis tackles, you know, great minds have been writing about for thousands of years. And even God leaves that question a bit of a cliffhanger in this book, and it's frustrating and hauntingly beautiful at the same time. So enjoy the words of Elihu. That's all I got to say at this point.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think it's interesting. I didn't. I didn't plan it that uh, Mister y- Mister Youth Leader Guru <laughs> would be would be uh, taking on Elihu's words. So right, uh, that's a fun serendipity there. It is, um, and uh, thank you, Johnny, for for your thoughts on that. Yeah, and you know I wonder if you would pray uh, for us this week as we we engage with these words. Absolutely. All right, let's pray. Oh God, I
1: I pray for anyone listening to this. Um, God, maybe there are people who are who are working out the problem of suffering, and the problem of evil, in their own lives. Uh, I pray that you'll maybe not just give clarity for the purpose, but I pray that you'll just give a calm that even if that person never gets the answer, (laughs) that they're going to be okay and that you have them. God, allow us to stop looking for concrete answers and to just cling to you and to to just allow you to get us through in ways that don't make sense. Pray that the peace that passes understanding will be over everyone who's tackling the book of Job. Pray that everyone here reading will just find a deep connection to this this wonderful text. And we just pray that you'll allow uh, allow all of us to have such a faith in you that you're the one who sustains this created world and you sustain us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in your name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Johnny. I really appreciate your taking the time to be with me and look forward to catching up with you uh, off screen. Sounds so good. that will be great. We'll have a wonderful week. All right. You too. Okay. Bye-bye.